Father, we just thank you so much for another day, another day to worship, another day to praise you, another day to exalt your name. Jesus, you are the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and we give you glory this morning. We pray for pliable hearts. We pray for hearts that are receptive to your word. We pray that you would bring increase of your presence and your love in our hearts, God, through this message this morning. Bless the pastor and give him strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Um, this, this peace series, I think, has, has had some positive impact on me. And um, I, I was dropping off my son the other day at his school right here in University City. And, and I dropped him off. And it's pretty early in the morning. And as, as I'm getting ready to, to, to drive away, suddenly a car comes directly at me, sort of at my side, almost, almost T-bones me in the street, and just lays on the horn. I mean, just blasting the horn at me, right? And my normal response to that would be more animated, uh, you know, when someone does something like that. But maybe it was the sermon series. I don't know. Maybe I was just in a tranquil state of mind. But, you know, I'm just sitting there, and I just kind of looked over real calm, cool, and collected. Like, huh, wonder what this guy's problem is, right? <laughs> Turns out it was one of our members, Sean Burris, messing with me, <laughs> messing with me to see what the pastor would do. <laughs> it's not cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> I passed that test. I know I failed a few other ones, but I passed that one that day. Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to tell you, last week we, we, we were exploring this idea of being peacemakers, not just experiencing peace in our own lives, but taking that out and transferring that out to people in our community. And I, I just want to, I'm going to brag on this congregation for a minute, because the, the things that you guys are doing is is unlike anything I've seen in any other congregation that I've been a part of. And I'm just proud of, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, City Family Church. I'm proud that each one of you is allowing God to, to, to work in your heart um, and, and develop you into what he wants you to be so that you can go out and, and change our world just one person at a time. And let me just tell you what I mean. Um, uh, one of our members, Nicole McCoy, who's the head of our urban outreach group, um, life group, she came to me uh, and said, hey, oh, you know, she works for the Salvation Army. She said, um, there are a lot of families that we've identified that could use some help this Christmas. And so we started talking about it, and um, we've, we've decided that we're going to be able to completely support five families this Christmas. Yeah, that, that, and just adopt them and just take care of their Christmas. Let me, I'm not going to read you all, all about all of them, but like, um, let me read you a couple of them. One of them, uh, Mrs. B has been raising her grandson for many years despite being crippled from rheumatoid arthritis and osteoporosis. Her husband died suddenly this year, and, all th and, all th and although she is still grieving from her loss, she still continues to meet the needs of her grandson. He's going to graduate from high school next year. Uh, he has also struggled with medical issues all his life that has impaired his development. But we're going to support this grandmother and this grandson this Christmas. We're going to take care of them. We're getting them uh, some furniture, some clothes, a freezer, some groceries, some shoes, some pants. And we're going to get him a class ring from Vashon High School uh, as he graduates. 
I'll read you one more. This one, uh, this one got to me. Uh, Miss, Miss C recently gave birth to her son, and they live in a shelter for pregnant and postpartum women. She has been working hard in recovery. I think she's had uh, drug addiction issues. She's been working hard in recovery, and due to being in treatment, is unable to obtain employment at this time. Miss, Miss, uh, Miss C plans on finding housing and obtaining employment as soon as she is able. So we're going to support her and her baby. Um, we're going to get you know baby toiletries, books, toys, baby swing, baby clothes, um, parent clothes, pants, a whole bunch of stuff for them. Um, an mp3 player some boots, you know, just like we're gonna put together a Christmas thing for them Which is gonna be really awesome. So anyway, and there's a bunch of them. So thank you guys um, And also I, I just wanted to say too, some of you are saying what can I personally do like I want to it's cool to to be generous and you know, give money to the church, and the church then reaches out and supports people. But I want to actually do something hands-on. So we've got something for you. If you want to do this today, we invite you to participate in a hands-on um, activity. Uh, a group called uh, Parents for Peace, a group um, from up in Ferguson, a bunch of Ferguson residents, uh, reached out to one of our members, Julie Johnson, and Julie Johnson uh, got a hold of me this week. And, um, and what they're doing is they are collecting... Uh, uh, all of the fixings for a Christmas dinner, putting them in a box and taking them to the Ferguson School District. Ferguson School District, um, the, some of the schools in that district have identified families that would otherwise not be able to have a Christmas dinner. And so we're going to, wh what you can do today in a hands-on way is after service, there are some boxes that you would have seen when you came in. You can, um, Shante McCall is going to have those boxes out there and she's going to have a list of items. And if you want to go out today after you grab lunch, go to Schnucks or Aldi's or Shop and Save and buy these items, put them in that box. Then you can take that box to Three Kings, which is right across the street from us. Uh, Three Kings, you can drop it off there. And then we've got a team of people that will pick them up on Monday and take them up to the school district and they'll distribute them to the families. So um, let me tell you what you're buying. Two cans of green beans, one can of sweet potatoes, two cans of corn, one can of cranberry sauce, one box of stove topping stuffing. Instant mashed potatoes, gravy, gravy mix, aluminum oval turkey roasting pan, muffin, cornbread mix, other stuff, uh, brownie mix, Kool-Aid, a bunch of stuff, um, and a $15 gift card. It's about a $35 thing. So if you want to get with you know, either your family or your life group or whatever, grab one of those boxes on the way out and this list. Go pick up those items, put them in the box, take them to Three Kings, and somebody's going to have a Christmas dinner thanks to you um, this Christmas. Amen. So awesome. Cool. That's a pretty good Christmas dinner. I might, I might have to go to somebody's house and get, a, get invited to that thing. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to share some of that with you because I'm, I'm just grateful that we're not in here talking about peace and, you know, and not doing anything about it, right, and not bringing it out. Um, so we're, we're making little touches as we go. Um, we're, we're, we're brought, you know, we're, we're here to bring light. We're here to bring hope. We're here to bring faith, and that's what we're doing. Amen. Um, the other reason that we're talking about peace in this series is that a lot of people are not, especially in this season where we see peace on earth on, you know, Christmas cards and it's in the songs, you know, uh, sleep in heavenly peace and everything is about this peace on earth. But it's especially at this time in the season that a lot of people are not experiencing peace in their own life. And maybe that's some of you. Some of you are not experiencing peace right now in your finances, or you're not experiencing peace in your relationship, 
or you're not experiencing peace, you know, in our community. This is a time of, of great unrest in, in our community, and there's not peace there. Maybe you're not experiencing peace uh, in your school. I know that I, I talked about three or four people today who are like, this is finals week. We're jamming. Um, so I know you might not be experiencing peace there. Um, some people are not experiencing peace in, in their family. Like, you know, when, when it's the holidays and families get together and the in-laws come in, you know, there can sometimes be tension. Not with my in-laws. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that for the recording. I'm not saying that. Um, but, you know, I, I saw this thing on uh, this picture on Facebook and I thought somebody's, somebody was struggling with the in-laws. They put this up uh, on their sign. It said, goodbye in-laws, hello tequila. I said, man, somebody is Somebody has not got peace in the family. And that's not going to help, let me tell you. Um, but we all, need, we all need peace. We need to experience peace in our own lives. And it needs to be real, true peace. It needs to be sustainable peace. It needs to be transferable peace, peace that we can experience and then bring to others. And a lot of times what happens is we look for peace in all of the wrong places. We look for it in... Uh, a relationship with somebody and we, we're looking for peace or we look for it in a job or we look for it in our possessions or we look for it in accolades or accomplishments and we're always seeking this peace but we're looking for it in the wrong place and we're like I don't know if you've heard the, the story of the guy who came out maybe maybe he came out of that bar he was a, a guy came out of a bar and and he, he had probably had too much to drink and he uh, dropped his keys in the parking lot a few minutes later, some other folks came out of the bar, and, and the man was on the ground under a, um, you know, like a street light, and he was looking all over for the keys, and they said, what happened? He, he said, I dropped my keys, and so all these people are coming around him. They're trying to help him find the keys, and they're looking all over the place. He can't find it. Finally, one guy says, are you sure this is where you dropped the keys? And the guy said, oh, no, no, no. He said, I dropped them over there, but the light's better over here. Um, so... That one just sort of, that one trickles in. That's going to trickle in. Um, sometimes we're just looking for peace in the, in the wrong places. And we're looking, and, and what we end up finding sometimes is a sort of false sense of peace. A peace that might appease us for a time, but it's not lasting. It's not sustaining. It doesn't stick with us. So when we're talking about peace in this series, I, I introduced a working definition. Um, I'm going to tell it to you again today. We're talking about a true peace. And for us, that means True peace is that joyful and restful state of experiencing tranquility with God, of experiencing wholeness within ourself, and experiencing harmony with other people. So it's, a, it's an up, it's an in, and it's an out. And if one of those components is missing, then we're not going to have the kind of peace that that sustains us. We're not going to have the kind of peace that empowers us. We're not going to have the kind of peace that helps us to empower others. And the Bible teaches us that that kind of peace, that up, in, and out peace, that comes from Christ. Uh, that is a peace that comes from Christ. And so for us to experience that kind of peace, we need to experience the source of that peace. We need to experience the one who brings us that peace. And the Bible goes to... Um, you know, great links to describe the relationship between Jesus and peace. And so what I'm going to do in the next few minutes, I'm going to give you three descriptions that the Bible gives us 
about Jesus's relationship with peace, okay, and what that relationship is like. And then I'm going to give us four principles that we can actively pursue uh, to help us nurture that relationship with Christ to bring peace into our lives, okay? So here's what the Bible says about Jesus and his relationship with peace. The first thing that it says is that Jesus is the prince of peace. This is how it describes Jesus. He's the prince of peace. This description, this is the one that we see, you know, around Christmas. This description was given to us by a prophet named Isaiah who wrote 800 years before Jesus. All right, he wrote 800 years before Jesus. He was describing the Messiah in this messianic prophecy, and he said, this is who Jesus is. And look what he says in Isaiah 9. He says, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. It's amazing when you read that passage because you immediately go, yeah, that's describing Jesus, right? That passage was written 800 years before Jesus was born. What does this mean, Prince of Peace? We don't have a point of reference for that because we don't, you know, we don't have monarchy. We don't, have, we don't know princes. Um, in the Hebrew, the word prince is sar, S-A-R. And in, in the Hebrew, that means the one who's in charge, the chief, the captain, the boss. Sar means the one, the ruler. And then shalom is the word for peace. And shalom has this amazing, expansive meaning. Rest, tranquility, safety, soundness, completeness, wholeness, health, prosperity, tra uh, tranquility. I said that. A lot of tranquility. And um, contentment. So, so what the Bible is saying, what Isaiah is saying here, is that Jesus, the Messiah, is the boss of this sort of tranquility that you can experience in your life. He's in charge He's the chief. He's the ruler over this. And so when we align our life, when we allow the Lord Jesus Christ to be a part of our life and to speak into our life, and we align ourselves with his precepts and principles, we experience this peace. How many of you have ever had, like, friction between you and your boss? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, I have. That was one of the least peaceful times I've ever had. When I had a conflict with a boss one time. Um, and it wasn't my fault, but, um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like that creates a lot of distress and unrest. It's not peaceful. So when we think of Jesus as the Prince of Peace, if we really want to experience that true peace that he has for us, we need to align ourselves with him, submit to his principles. Um, okay, so that's the first description. He's the Prince of Peace. The second one is he is the source of peace. So he's not just in charge of distribution, uh, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm, but he's also the, 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 the designer and manufacturer of peace. He's the one that it, peace emanates out of him. Um, and, and most of you know, or all of you probably know, that the quality of any product is directly tied to the identity of its source. In other words, whoever made it, their capacity to make something, that's going to determine the quality of the, the end result, right? When we moved into our house um, here in University City uh, several years ago um, from one of our, you know, we were in a different house in University City, but um, too much information. Uh, but anyway, we moved into a house, um, and about two weeks after we moved in, we got burglarized. And um, there wasn't, 
there wasn't much to burglarize. There was like the, the TV that I bought in, in law school and I bought it for like $50 and it weighed about 375 pounds. Um, it was like, it was thick, it was deeper than it was wide. You know what I mean? It was like, it's like four feet deep. In fact, this year I finally got a crew of like seven guys and we pulled it out of there, uh, put it on the curb to see if anybody would take it and nobody would take it. I almost thought about putting a $10 bill on it and saying, seriously, you know. Um, but anyway, so there wasn't much to steal, but there was one thing that, that the burglars got, or the burglar, that really stung me. I mean, it really stung me. It was a, uh, a watch that my father had given to me when he died, and it was a Rolex watch, and it was a, it was a, he had, he, he was, he was like really into, to, you know, he liked watches, and he liked things like that, uh, and he worked for years to save the money to get this watch, and he loved this watch. And in fact, right before he got to the point where it, like, he almost could afford it, but he couldn't quite afford it, he sold our, our riding mower and got a few extra hundred dollars. And then he got, you know, that put him over the edge and he bought the watch, I remember. Uh, it was great because I didn't have to mow the lawn that month. I was just like, it's great. But my dad had this cool watch. Um, he, he, so he gives me this watch after, you know, when he died, he, or before he died, he said, this watch is yours. So he gives me the watch. And the interesting thing was he also had a knockoff version of that exact same watch. It was a fake Rolex. I mean, it looked just like it, but it wasn't real. And when we got burglarized a few years ago, uh, we came in afterwards, you know, the police came and they're dusting for prints and everything. And I walk into, my, in, into uh, our bedroom and I had both of those watches in the credenza. And the real one was gone and the fake one was lying on the bed. So like the burglar had taken them both and said, I like the real one, not that interested in the fake one, right? And he tossed it on the bed, didn't want it. Because the burglar knows that the value of the product is determined by the value of the source. Whoever made it is going to determine the value, right? He wanted the real thing. He didn't want the knockoff. And listen to what Jesus says when he's talking to his disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. And then he says this. This is interesting. He's distinguishing. He said, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives. That's a different kind of peace. That's the knockoff peace. That's the fake peace. That's the phony peace. I'm not giving you that. I'm giving you my peace. That's the real peace. That's the peace that passes all understanding. That's the peace that sticks with you when you're in the eye of the storm. That's the peace that you still have when there's suffering in your life, when your family member is sick and dying, when your relationship is on the rocks, when your job is about to fall apart, when your career is not working, when you feel like you're going to drop out of school. That's the peace that sustains you through the storm because he's the source of the peace. So Jesus is the source of that peace. And the value of that peace is dependent upon its source. Um, so by, the Bible says not only is he the boss of peace, not only is he the source of peace, the next passage says that Jesus is our peace. He is the peace. He's not just the boss of it. He's not just the source of it. He is the end product itself. Look, look at this. Ephesians 2, verse 14 through 16, it says this. For he himself, Christ, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. And he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles at that point. 
one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. That passage is absolutely revolutionary because what he is saying is is that he became the peace and the hostility between Jews and Gentiles and Scythians and Africans and Romans and Italians and Europeans and Asians and Indians is destroyed on the cross with him and he creates a new humanity He's the peace that allows the, 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 the wall of hostility to be destroyed and create a new humanity where all can become one in him. So it's not just about, like, let's not have as many squabbles and fights. It's like, no, we become brothers and sisters through his death and burial and resurrection. He becomes our peace. I, f- I think that's profound. I mean, I, I just think that's just, you know, especially when you think of it at the time, you know, at that time, the, 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 the walls between people were completely unbreakable, right? And, and the, the scripture is saying that he has destroyed the wall in his death and he becomes our peace. Um, and here's the, here's, the, here's the challenge for us as Christians, all right? Because we know this about him, we see this about him in the scripture, but there are millions of Christians who have access to this peace, but they're not experiencing this peace. Here Jesus is saying, I am peace itself. I'm the river of peace that exists inside of you, that dwells inside of you, that every believer can have access to and tap into, and yet so many of us do not have that peace. We had a song when we were growing up called, I've Got Peace Like a River. You ever hear that one? I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. Anybody remember that? Just me, my wife, Carol Cloud, Bob, Shirley. Good, okay. Okay, Joel, okay, good. Um, um, but, but that's what he's saying. He's like, I, the Bible is saying that Jesus is this peace that's in your heart and is available to you, um, but you're not going to experience it unless you access it. It's there, but you're not going to experience it unless you access it. And so as I read these descriptions of peace, for me the question then arises, how do I, as a Christian, how do I develop that relationship with the Prince of Peace, with the Source of Peace, with peace itself, in a way that will allow me to experience that sustainable peace and allow me to then transfer that peace to others? So I'm going to give you uh, four principles that that I think are going to be helpful to you in terms of just developing access to the peace that is already available to you. And the first one is this. Acknowledge the problem before you and access the power within you. Okay, this is a dual dual requirement. Acknowledge the problem before you and access the power within you. A lot of people who are not experiencing peace are making one of two equally opposite errors. The first one is they're not acknowledging the problem before them. There are a lot of people who will simply sort of skate over problems as if they're not there, right? And they'll just sort of like, they're the ones rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, right? It's going down, and they're going, what glacier? You know, what, you know, we're just making sure the chairs are lined. You know, there, there are people in life that just ignore the problem. You know what I mean? And they usually have their eyebrows just like this. They're like, what problem, right? You know, 
that's not how that's not how you achieve peace because these problems just problems don't go away on their own. I don't know if you have experienced this. They some for somehow or other they seem to get worse instead of better if they go unacknowledged, right? So Jesus isn't saying don't acknowledge um, uh, don't acknowledge the problem. In fact, if you go to the, the classic of this is if you go to a pastor's conference and you walk into that pastor's conference and the very first day and you walk into the conference and you start talking to some pastors and you say, hey, how are things going? And every single pastor goes, oh, man, it's going awesome. Things are going just great right now. Church is going fantastic and everything's great. And you're like, wow, amazing, you know. And then like day three in the conference, right, then you kind of get them alone and you're at lunch or whatever and they're like, Man, it's not going good, man. I mean, I, uh, I'm thinking about dropping out and going to dentistry school. This is not, this is not working. Um, but but we have a, sometimes we have a reluctance to acknowledge the problems that we face. We, because, they, because they are disruptive, we're worried about them, we just want to avoid them, right? You know what I mean. Um, and, and, and then on the other hand, the, the, the other error is some people are great at acknowledging the problem. There are folks who are like, yeah, we got problems, and they will tell you all about the problem. This is the eternal pessimist. This is the person whose blood type is B negative. You know what I'm saying? Um, the, in, in, the, in the, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Man, would someone make a note of that? That was the best, that was the best laugh I've gotten in a long time. Um, in the, uh, in the business management world, I was talking with Kirk Williams this week, and, uh, and, and he's getting his MBA, so he's explaining these business concepts to me, and I love it. And he was talking to me about the theory of constraints. And in the business management world, the theory of constraints is this theory that every organization, every business, and, and really every person has some factor or some process that they're doing that is the that is slowing down their ability, that's constricting their ability to accomplish whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. So like if you're, if you're a glass manufacturer, a bottle manufacturer, and you're making these glass bottles, but you've got this one conveyor belt, and this one conveyor belt is just going real slow. Everything else is working fine, but this one conveyor belt's going real slow. That's your constraint. That, that slow conveyor belt is the thing that's restricting that company's ability to process bottles as quickly as they need to, right? And all of us in our own lives, we have this, we have constraints, right? And one of the major constraints that we experience in our own life is our either inability or unwillingness to tap into the peace that is already there for us. And under the theory of constraints, what you want to do is you want to expand that constraint, right? You want to elevate that constraint until it's broken, until it's no longer a constraint, and then things are flowing smoothly. How'd I do, Kirk? Did I get that right? Amen. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, and I think that's what a lot of us need to do in our own lives. We've got, we've got a limitless God that we serve. We have a limitless access to his peace, his love, his strength, his power. And yet in our own heart and in our own mind, we are, we are constraining our ability because we're not tapping into what he's already got for us. We're trying, to relying, we're trying to rely upon our own strength, upon our own gifts, upon our own talents, upon our own skills, upon our own, you know, abilities, and we can't figure out why we are just sort of stuck, right? Because we've constrained ourselves. 
And, and, and Jesus is saying, look, I've got what you need. Just, just tap into it. Um, look, look at what he says. I love, I love how he says this in John 16. He, he just got done telling them as, his, as believers, here's what you're going to face. Loneliness, martyrdom, heartbreak, problems, you know, persecution is going to be real, real tough for you, okay? And then he says this. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And you're going, what? You've told me that all these bad things are going to happen to me so that I can have peace? And then he says, in this world, you will have trouble. He said, I want you to acknowledge the fact that you're going to have problems because this world is full of problems. But take heart because I have overcome the world. So he says, look what he's saying. He's saying acknowledge the problem and access the power. Acknowledge the problem before you and access the power within you. That's how we have real peace. It's not by denying the problem, and it's not by, uh, you know, uh, just o- overly stating the problem. We have the problem. We have access to the power to overcome it. Amen. We're moving on. You got that point? Is that good? Okay. Number two is prioritize peace above possessions. Sometimes we say that we want peace, we pine for peace, we talk about wanting it, but we don't actually prioritize it above the things that prohibit us from experiencing peace, right? And so we say we want peace, but we keep introducing things, chaotic things into our life. And um, I started in August, I started uh, going to the gym every Monday, Wednesday, Friday to work out and drop some and, and lose a few pounds. I had a, I had a goal and just by me saying that in the past tense, you know, that should tell you what, what's happening to the goal. But anyway, um, so I've been going there, and, and the goal was, was to lose a certain amount of weight, you know. But here's the problem. Working out makes you hungry. Working out makes you really hungry, right? And it doesn't help if you start to every once in a while have a meeting at a place like this. I don't know if you've ever had meetings at places like this. Don't, if you're trying to lose weight, do not go here. Do not, do not. Fried catfish and chicken and sausage and eggs and bacon and biscuits and gravy. I mean, you know, it's just like, so here's the problem. Okay, you can take that down. Um, um, Here's the problem, right? Sometimes it's hard to prioritize what's right over what's right now, right? So you have a long-term desire for what's right, but there's a real strong pull on what's right now. And if we want to really experience peace, we have to prioritize it over our pride. We have to prioritize it over our possessions. We have to prioritize it over performance. We have to prioritize it above all else if that's what we're really striving for. Because the other things are always going to be right there wanting you to grab a hold of them but disrupting your ability to experience the true peace. Look at Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17 says, Better a dry crust, little dry crusty piece of bread with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. So if you really want peace, you got to prioritize it. you got to know that that's better than the alternative. And you got to strive for that peace. Number three, focus your mind on your maker. If you want peace, 
you have to direct your thoughts towards those things that are peaceful. Uh, a lot of people have this idea that the thoughts that you experience are outside of your control, right? And that you're just, you're just subject to your thoughts. They, you're, you're not in control of them. They're just in control of you. And while it may be true that you cannot you know, block every thought that enters your mind, you don't have to hang out and party with that thought. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to just, you know, marinate and, uh, and, and percolate on that thought. That's a negative thought. You can just open the other door and just ride on out. Thanks for coming. Great to see you. Have a great time. See you later. Goodbye. Right? Because the Bible teaches us that if we truly want to have peace, we need to focus on those things that bring peace. Look at, look at, um, at, at Isaiah again. He says, you, God, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you whose mind is stayed on you. That, there's an active, there's an active uh, requirement here. Those of us that want to have peace, we need to refocus our minds on the things of God. Look at what they say, um, uh, what Paul says in Philippians. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Chew on that. Hang out with that. Party with those thoughts for a while. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And what will be the result of that? The God of peace will be with you. Focus on those things that bring peace. Focus on the things that are good and lovely and beautiful and praiseworthy. Focus on those things. And then this is the very last point I'm going to make. Babe, you can come up and... Right. Um, and this is the most important. Okay, so if you didn't get anything else today, focus on this one, because without this one, none of the others matter, all right? And that's this. Accept the gift that has already been paid for. In 2007, there was a, a woman in Argentina. Her name was Eva Paule. Uh, she was an, uh, a maid, a retired maid. She had been working all of her life, cleaning houses, making $200 a month. All of her life, she had been cleaning. And her mother had never told her, her mother, whenever she asked about her dad, her mother would never tell her uh, anything about him. Very, very uh, tightly kept secret, whose dad wouldn't tell her. Um, her mother died, and she began to go through, Ava began to go through her mom's stuff. And she found some correspondence between her mom and an extremely wealthy Argentinian landowner, a guy named Rufino Otero. And she starts going through the paperwork, and she starts reading the correspondence, and she starts looking at the material. And Ava, who's been working as a maid all her life, making $200 a month, goes, is it possible that this Rufino Otero is my dad? And so she pursued it a little more ultimately got a, a DNA test and discovered that she, Ava, uh, was the sole heiress of a $40 million Oterra um, uh, estate. All of her life, she had been the daughter, the sole heiress of one of the you know, ex most extremely wealthy landowners in Argentina, and she had no idea. She had no idea. The peace that you crave in your life, the peace that you're, some of you are not experiencing right now, is already yours. It's already been bought 
and it's already been paid for and it's already been delivered it's now just a matter of you opening up your heart and accepting it and allowing that peace to come into your heart in a true, deep, and meaningful way. All of the things that I said in points one, two, and three, those are important, and those are ways that we continue to sustain and develop and build that peace. But ultimately, the peace is there, and it's a gift, and it was given to you already. It's yours. It's free. You don't have to do anything to earn it. Listen to what Isaiah says, chapter 53. It says, He was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. And look at this. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. What that means is he already, in in the crucifixion, the Prince of Peace came and purchased your peace through his punishment. He bore your shame, your guilt, the chaos, the confusion, the hopelessness, the despair, the anger, He bore all that. He took that to the cross with him. The punishment that he experienced was the payment that brought the peace to you. And it's here for you today. It's here for each and every single person who would just simply open their heart and say, Lord, come in. Let me experience you. Let me just, let me surrender my life to you. You're the prince of peace. You're the source of peace. You are peace. Come into my heart today. Let's bow our heads. Some of you today, as you know, you sit here, you're, you're, you're thinking, I don't know if I can actually experience this for myself. I get it theoretically. I just don't know if practically and in reality it's for me. And I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you to, to open up your heart today and allow the Prince of Peace, as this Christmas season comes upon us, allow the Prince of Peace, the one who came to this world to bring peace, allow him to enter your heart today and experience his peace, the peace that he brings, the peace like a river, the peace that passes all understanding. Open your heart today and let him in. If you have not experienced that peace, or maybe, you've, maybe you're a believer, but you've just never had that kind of peace, um, or maybe you're, you're, you've never been a believer and you just, today, you're saying, you know what, I want that. Um, I will not embarrass you. I'm not going to have anybody stand or anything like that. But while people are praying, would you raise your hand and just let me pray with you? Awesome. Thank you. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I got you. I want it, man. I want that peace. I want to open up my heart my life and allow him to to work in my life in the way that that he really wants to i don't want to constrain the peace that he has for me i don't want to limit that in my life heavenly father we come before you right now and we ask that as the christmas season comes upon us that you would reveal yourself in a very powerful and real and true and intense way in our life Help us, Lord, to know who you are, to experience the peace that you already bought and you already paid for. Help us to experience the peace, God, that passes all understanding, the peace that flows like a river, the peace, God, that will change not only our lives but the lives of the people around us, the peace that is sustainable and transferable in the world through us, through you. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We open our hearts to you today. 
We open our hearts to you today, and we ask you to come in. And all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.